This is Sports 845. It is April 14th, um, 15 days from the NFL draft. I am Darren Kunis. Next to me, filling in for the legendary coach, Dick O'Neill, a legend in his own mind, Thomas Giordano, Tom Giordano, all decked out midi bear stuff for the Erie Bell game. And our crack producer, Thomas Giordano, just celebrated his... Uh, 23rd birthday. Yep. I remember the day you were born. I remember the day you when I met, I met your father in Monticello Little League All-Stars where we played Town of Walk Hill. 1980. 1980. Yeah, 81. Somewhere around there. Dylan Price is here. Dylan, what's your uh what's your Twitter? Uh Dylan Price 27. You'll be very impressed when Dylan does the NFL draft. He's going to give you every pick guaranteed. He is. Uh, he knows it all. He's going to talk NFL draft. Like I said, it's coming up in 15 days. The Yankees are five and seven. The Mets are four and three. Um, very early, but you know the Mets. Neither team looks great. The Mets had a little spark yesterday, winning a double double header. Um, flashes. They're showing flashes. We'll talk Mets. We'll talk Degrom, who definitely deserves an apology every time he, he pitches. Yeah. The NBA. I want to rip the NBA a little bit. You know, I was thinking, and I was, and you, you, I don't follow hockey. But who, who's a great hockey player? Ovechkin? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to look up, maybe you could Google this, how many nights he takes off, hockey players. Because they play the same amount of games. And you you and I both remember Patrick Ewing sitting at the Garden with ice packs on his knees, on both couldn't knees, walk, yeah. talking to reporters, but never taking a day off. You have this fiasco in Minnesota, which is disgusting. And Kyrie Irving is going to take two weeks off because of it. Feelings are. It's just ridiculous how these guys, they're such prima donnas in the NBA. Locally, we have the Erie Bell game. Um, Ryan Costello, the do-it-all linebacker for Port Jervis, is going to call in. Damian Straharski, the head coach at Port Jervis, who is, you know, Port Port Jervis in this COVID year is really being overlooked. Could be one of the best teams they've ever had. Well, I mean, let's let's not forget they went to the state semifinals. They did, and last it's, it's a great. Yeah. My point is, it's a great run they've had, yeah. and it hasn't been discussed. And this is only his second year, so you know, right in his first year, he came out of the gate, and uh, he took a really nice team. Uh, Matt Palanis, you know, has, has done a really good job up until this point, and um, you know, Damian took over and and he took it to the next level. So done a great job. Yeah. Uh, Dylan will talk a little bit about what it's been like sports-wise, high school level, without as many fans in the stands. You probably have more fans here tonight than you've had at a cross-country meet. Uh, pushing probably about the same amount, yeah. <laughs> um, so you'll talk a little bit about that. 845-313-0561, and we'll be right back. But before we go, I do want to say when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about the Masters and what went on and what goes on at that uh, at that club. We'll be right back. We are back, 313-0561. Before I get to Section 9, I want to talk about one thing, the Masters. And I love watching the Masters. I, they could play it eight times a year, and I'd watch it. It's absolutely beautiful. But it's one of the nicest courses in the world. I love it. Love watching it. Listen, it lacked some juice this year because, to be fair, Hideki Matsuyama is not a name that everybody in the country knows. And they're coming, but he played and great. it was only played five, five months ago. Right. Yeah. So, and you know the whole thing with Tiger and everything. But here's my big problem with the Masters, and you know Major League Baseball pulled the All Star Game out of Atlanta because of the voting rules and regulations in Georgia. I'm not going to get into the politics yeah. about it. Um, but they pulled the All Star Game out of there. How come the Masters get such a pass? The Masters. Right. No one made a big stink when the Masters it, said we're not doing anything. But yeah. you know what? It's one of the, to be fair, let's call it what it is. It's one of the whitest, elitist yes. thing, events this country right. has. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost an all-males club. Well, that's my point. Yeah. Here you go. 1975, the first African-American was allowed to play. 1975 is like yesterday. Right. 2012, if 1975 was yesterday, 2012 is last night. <laughs> last week. The first woman allowed to play, I'm allowed to be a member. Be a member. It's so even the name Butler's Cabin. It's just it makes me sick to sit there and watch these Hootie Johnsons, Jim Nance. It's if you can't see through the BS that the Masters, the club, and it's a private club, has what they do. You're really missing something. They get such a pass. Yeah. If there was balls by CBS. 
they they'd say, have... you know what? Until they change things and get with 2021, we're not even covering it because it really is ridiculous. Tiger Woods can win their tournament five, six, a dozen times, but he's not allowed to be a member. Yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a joke. It's not that sad. You look at another elite sport, elitist sport, tennis. Althea Gibson was playing on the women's tour in the 50s. African-American woman. Arthur Ashe, tennis. 1975, they, al- they finally allowed Lee Elder to play? It's a joke. It really is a joke. And it goes on in the same state, Georgia, where they pulled the All-Star game. It's just so not right. Well, and we, we talked about this with some other things that are going on in the world. Selective outreach. It, like, you can't have it, you can't have it both ways. I, right? If, if you're going to do the right thing, then you got to do the right thing across the board, or the right thing doesn't work. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the problem I think we have. And by the way, in 1975, when Lee Elder played, he had to stay in two different places because of death threats. It's so, I, I can't think of a a word that I could say on the radio. It's just BS is what I'll go with. Be out there and protest that. And you know what? You're right. Because it really is a joke what Augusta is. It really is. Yeah. And it's just so phony and such BS again with Jim Nance. It's it's a complete facade. The whole Hello, friends. And it was, you know, Butler's Cabin. And it's beautiful. I love it. It's not about the event. But if you want to protest something, protest that right. because they haven't changed at all. Right, They've given you minimal changes. I mean, Major League Baseball doesn't have a huge African-American presence, not by Major League Baseball's fault anymore. You know, there's still some issues with allowing the, the Negro League players to get into the Hall of Fame and their records to come into baseball. They're, they're working on changing that. Right. But you have a huge Hispanic and South American minority. Baseball's... I'm not listening. If more African Americans want to play golf, and it's great that Tiger Woods opened the doors to that, and it really is. I'm not talking about playing the sport, participating in the sport. The U.S. Open, um, the PGA Championship, the British Open don't act like the Masters. They don't act the way they act. Right. You know, it really is. It's it's wrong in every way, and I just can't believe that it takes place in Georgia. And here we are pulling the all-star game, but the Masters get to pass. Right. Let's get to Section 9. Um, Tommy. Yes, sir. The, the, let's start with Class B. Class B. We have a championship game, Class B, in two weeks. Two weeks. And that would be Marlboro and Port Jervis? That's what it looks like. I, I don't think anything's going to change. Um there were some scenarios if, if games were changed, you know, based on other things going on. Uh, there was an outside chance if Red Hook beat someone, they could force. But it a looks like tie. right now, Marlboro's three and one. Uh, Port Jervis is undefeated. They're four and zero. I believe that the matchup will be uh, Marlboro going to Port Jervis. Marlboro going to Port Jervis, and then you know, there's no state tournament. No state uh, tournament. This class spring. A looks like it's going to be Cornwall. No surprise. Versus Menacing Valley. Yes. It should be Menacing Travels. So the higher seed is supposed to host unless their field is unplayable or for some reason there's something. So they're not having all the games at Fowler this year. No, they're going to be because of COVID. I understand. They're going to have them at home. So at least you could have your fans. It'll be, they're going to do their best to allow home and away fans. So probably two spectators per player. And um, so. Minnesink will go, will travel to Cornwall. Um, teams have choices. If you have lights and want to play, it's the home team's choice. If you have lights and want to play on Friday night, then those games would be on the, the Friday night at 7 o'clock. Or you could choose to play on Saturday, I believe, at 1. Gotcha. Now we get to double A where there's been controversy. What now, I'll talk. You don't have to. Right now it is – Milltown versus Monroe. The controversy, you can correct me, but I'll do the talk. I don't want to put you in a bad spot. Newburgh is at three and one. Correct. Middletown and Monroe are four and one. So Newburgh right. is think, basically a half game out. Right. So we completed our schedules. Uh, Middletown, not Middletown league. and well, Middletown and, and Monroe. Middletown and Monroe Both completed their got schedules. all the regular uh, the uh, league schedule. They were able to get all their games in. Newburgh, because of a COVID outbreak, 
Not and not there, not from them, right? From, from Pine Bush, Pine Bush right? Pine and, Bush so they couldn't play that game. Now rules are rules, and I understand it. The best two teams in my eyes, I'll do the talking here. You don't have to. The best two teams in my eyes are Newburgh and Middletown. I think Newburgh and Middletown should play. Um, now, with that said, um, I also feel Newburgh should be playing Pine Bush, and the winner should get Middletown. That's it. Well, if if, if Pine if uh, Newburgh was to Beat Pine Bush, right? They would be in. If Pine Bush was to beat Newburgh, Monroe would be in. Correct, and I think that's how it should be. Now, I have no problem with the article in the Times Herald Record, and it explains that Newburgh should be playing Pine Bush. If Newburgh wins, they play Middletown. If Newburgh were to lose to Pine Bush, Monroe is in. That's it. Fair and fair. League games take precedent. Here's my big issue with the Times Herald Record, and to state the word social injustice is throwing gas on a fire that's not needed at all. Right. And, and and you see it all over social media. Listen, Newburgh is not in because Pine Bush had COVID and they got to make the game up. And I think it lies on the committee of Section 9 to make this right. It has nothing, nothing at all to do with social injustice. Where was the social injustice two years ago when Middletown, the team you coach with, had a player due to a clerical error that played sporadically 12 to 15 Plays, the entire season, yeah. Special teams didn't impact any games, yet Middletown was stripped of everything. Where was the record claiming social injustice there? Right, Middletown and Newburgh has a, a high similar cities. Yes. The head coach at Newburgh, Billy Bianco, has followed every rule possible, runs a very tight ship up there in Newburgh with attendance, oh, with grades, and does a fantastic job. And I really believe the committee just has to make this right. Newburgh should play Pine Bush, and that's it. Yeah, and like you said, it's hard for me to chime in. I will chime in on the social injustice. We're going about the wrong way. What about the other kids in the other towns, right? In any town, like you pointed out in Middletown, there's a lot of instances. It's not social injustice. We we just want to do what's right for the kids. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with their race or their religions. And it shouldn't, right? And no one is saying that except the newspaper. Except the newspaper. And that's what I'm referring to. It doesn't make sense. All kids would want the opportunity, and they would want the the, the fairness across the board. Now, for as a coach, it's very hard for me to um, to kind of chime in on what the rules were set in place prior to the season starting. First of all, I wasn't at that meeting with the ads, and what you know what I really didn't like um, that that the record put in. They said that it was a rush by the ads to get this COVID season starting. Well, they had three or four meetings where they sat down, mm-hmm. and this was going on for quite some time. Yeah, they knew it was going to be a tough year, right? So, and they put some some protocols into place. Were they perfect? No. And now you got a scenario but, that kind of fell through the cracks, and it should be relooked at, right? But it's but, a scenario, Tommy, that could be fixed so easily. Oh, absolutely. But what uh, what I'm saying is, they but then they turn around and say that the ads rushed their rushed their decision making. You know, we're talking about something that came up only because Newburgh lost. If Newburgh didn't lose to Middletown, this wouldn't it would have been a non-issue. Right, but but but, but so that but they didn't pose it as that wasn't everyone's jumping the gun and rushing on that. Like that happened a week ago and everyone wants to see something done, which I agree. It should be looked at. We have two be, weeks. You right. have the Erie Bell game. We're gonna to talk to the Port Jervis head coach in a few minutes. You have the Erie Bell game. You have the ability to rectify this and honestly it should just be rectified. That's it. Fix it and move on. It's not yeah. that hard at all. It's not hard at all. Yeah. You have yeah, two weeks I, to play with. It's not like we have to have a game tomorrow and a game on Tuesday. That's it. Fix it. Yeah, well, you know, some teams, Pine Bush would want to get their game in. I, you know, there's a whole lot of moving parts. There is, but, and, it's yeah. easy, but we have it's, two weeks. Yeah, and fix it. And that's above my pay grade. Yeah, make it right. You no, know, I'm worried about coaching and exactly. I Speaking can't of, worry about the other things like that. I, my job is to coach and that's what I'm going to do. Speaking of coaching, um, and, you know, we talk about double A. We talk about how great Cornwall's been in single A. We talk about a lot of things. One of the things that I got to be fair, and it's on me, is I haven't discussed what's going on in Port Jervis, not just this, the past few weeks, but the past two years, easily. Yeah, they, I mean, they were in, Port the, Jervis they were in a, the state, they were in the state semifinals. They lost, lost the, the game finals. 7-6, yeah, right? They could have won that game. Damien Straharski is the head coach at Port Jervis. He joins us right now. Damien, are you there? 
Damien, okay. Damien, welcome to Sports 845. Thanks for taking some time. I'm not going to even ask you at all about what's going on in AA. Let's stick to your own backyard and Class B. Let's talk about this Red Raider team that last year you had an incredible run. This year you open up the season by defeating a team that uh, Cornwall, which hasn't lost since uh, Lyndon Johnson was the president. And you got a great team there, and you're undefeated. It looks like you're going to be playing Marlboro in the Class B title. And in this COVID-shortened season, tell us a little bit about what's going on. So last year was a great year for us, obviously. And going out that last game in the semifinals, you know, the boys, just, it was a heartbreaker. And, you know, they worked all offseason with a, a chip on their shoulder. You know, so whatever opportunity they had to go out there and work and condition and and do that, they had to do it on their own, and they did that. When we got the green light to go ahead with preseason conditioning and get out there on the field, uh, following safety protocols, we got on board. The boys were on board 100%, and, and we got it moving. And uh, it, it gave us just enough time to get out there, and it was a short uh, camp week, we'd call it. You know, we had one week, and then it was game week in right to Cornwall. So I think that was uh, an opening game, which I was excited for. The guys were excited for, and uh, kind of started, kickstarted the season off right, you know. And the biggest thing is this season is this opportunity, you know, um, playing up and playing against, against, you know, almost anyone at any time. You know, a lot of the coaches around the section are, you know, being great about it. And you know, whenever we get the chance to play, we can. No, obviously it's all about the kids and getting them playing time. Yes, you did go up in class. You played Cornwall. Um, you've had a, you know, a, nothing is easy. Nothing comes easy. But, you know, your games, they haven't been close. You're clearly the best team today in, in Class B. Um, you're going to, you know, Marlboro, I'm sure, is looking forward to a rematch um, in a game that honestly just was a blowout. Tell us a little bit about some of the guys on your team. We have Ryan Costello. He's going to call in later. He's a you know, certainly a candidate for player of the year. Talk a little bit about some of your guys. Oh, man, where do I start? Uh, this is one of the things that makes it hard for me as a coach to go ahead and pick out one guy. You know, we have a, a small roster this year. And for some reason, I don't know if it was the COVID or what was going on, but, you know, last year we had over 50 guys come out. Uh, this year our numbers started. We only had 32. Um, you know, we lost a guy week one in Cornwall, uh, Nico Rodriguez, with a knee injury. And, you know, I think that was his first or second play, you know, and that was it. So we were down to 31. Um, you have 31 so guys on your it. roster? Yeah. Do you have a JV program? We do. Okay. You know, they're playing actually right now against uh, Washingtonville. Tonight's mm -hmm. their last game. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, I could start and go over through every single one of them. You know, we basically have a bunch of great guys. You know, I can go through the offense. Offensive line does a great job with uh, our coach Carroll, the whole line coach. You know, we have Tyshawn, who is just doing an absolute great job this year. Uh, followed, you know, with uh, Nick Sorelli, if they're two big guys up on the line. You know, we have a couple of younger guys there that are helping out. Um, you know, obviously, Brett Fuller, as our starting quarterback, is just on fire. You know, he has the strength of his arm and just making really good reads. You know, we have um, our perimeter guys, our skill guys on the outside. Everyone's a threat there, you know. So, and I, I think we showed that in the last couple games where it's not just one guy getting five touches. It's five guys getting one touch. So, it's, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're spreading the love there a little bit. You know, then obviously I'm going to talk as the defensive coordinator. And well, that's what I wanted to ask you, Damien. You call the defense? Yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Your defense has been great. Been like a, yeah, you know, kudos to the guys. You know, they're making it happen. They're making it work. So, you know, we go out there with the intent of communication and just talking to each other. You know, I put it out there. We just coach them up. But it's really making the guys do what they see from a coaching perspective. But they're the ones being the athletes on the field. So Ryan, especially, um, Elijah, Cooper, all those guys from defense are always out there talking. So when the play is happening, they're they're making moves out there, you know, without me even having to do it. So they can see it, and then uh, we'll be go over all week and then make adjustments on the fly. So great communication and, you know, having the speed guys, Richie, Cruz, Marcus Best on the outside. Um, Elijah, in my personal opinion, is one of the best safeties in the state. You know, that we have two amazing linebackers with uh, Trey and obviously Ryan. You 
know, and then um, a couple undercover guys, as I like to call them, and, you know, that's Gage uh, Almick. You know, he's a good receiver, but a really good DB as well. And then uh, Cooper Hosan, you know, all over the field making tackles. Damian, what's the rules there with fans? Are you are you able to have fans there? Or is it just parents? Mostly just parents. Okay. Um, you know, Fort was one of the leaders that kind of paved the way of having, you know, our own spectators, we'll call them. You know, two mm-hmm. for an athlete, and then we were also one of the ones um, to have an opponent bring their two spectators per athlete. You know, that was it. So, you know, uh, shout out to Mr. Mike Rydell for ha- making that happen, you know, just setting the, you know, paving the way and just letting that happen. You know, obviously following protocol, being safe about it, everyone, you know, that, has how has the weather online, but they get it done. Have you guys had any COVID interruptions this year? Your team personally, not teams you've played against, but your team personally? Our team personally, no. You know, everyone's been doing their job of just keeping safe. You know, the boys are all in school. You know, we're in there four days a week, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they've done a good job of just kind of keeping their space, keeping away, you know, going practice, wearing the mask, staying their distance, and, you know, just doing the right things, and it's working out. Damien, let me ask you this, because I've always wondered how – you guys felt about this, and I'm sure I know the answer, but Port Jervis plays Middletown every year in the Erie Bell game, just like Warwick would play Goshen, and Warwick became a little bit smaller, but Middletown's gotten bigger, and Port Jervis is a small school. You're going up not one class, but two class classes to play Middletown, and I get the the uh, rivalry, and it's great. You know, you see it when there's no COVID year. You know, I have a business here in Middletown, and it's all about the Erie Bell game, no matter where it's played. But with such a great season, and I'm by no means suggesting that Middletown's going to win the game. I'm not suggesting that at all. But does is there any? Do you have any issue with going? You enjoy the rivalry. That's my question. You want to continue this? I do. Okay. You know, one thing that um, you know, coaches and I, and you know, even the players, I I would say play up. You know, play play up. Play competition. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying anything that Class B is not, because they truly are. Mm-hmm. But it's always good to get out there and play someone that's bigger and faster. And in and, and my personal opinion, I just think it makes us then a better team. Yeah, and I definitely so get that. I look at it. I, I think the rivalry is great. It's a long-standing tradition. Mm-hmm. But why not? And just try to better ourselves out there. Yeah, I mean, I get that. My kid played at Goshen, and years ago, Warwick was a much bigger school than Goshen, and Goshen would have... You know, as a parent speaking, Goshen would be having a great year, and we'd go to Warwick and play bigger, faster, a bigger school, and get our doors blown off, and it was almost such a letdown. But once we won the game the following two years, I thought it was a great rivalry again, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and for the for the guys, for our athletes, for us as coaches, we, we look at it as a challenge, you know? Absolutely. And it's just another challenge. Every week it's something different, but why not? You know, we're all they're all high school kids. Um, we can coach them the right way. They have the athletic ability. You know, now, I have, listen. Friday night here. You know? Absolutely. So and I'm going to go to the game. It's going to be fun to watch, and I think the rivalry is great. Now, I have. I don't know if you know Tom Giordano. He's on the Middletown staff. He had one question, but I'm going to ask it. Let's say you guys win the coin toss and elect to take the ball. What's the first play you're running? <laughs> What's up, David? Uh, David, how are you, buddy? Damien, I appreciate the time. I really do. And I, I I mean, you've done a hell of a job there at Port Jervis. You really have. Dylan, has, Dylan, you had a question for Coach? Yeah, Coach, you know, you have a team that has to be one of the most hyped up and juiced up teams I've seen in recent memory. And, you know, how have you kept them so motivated in a season where it would be pretty easy to give up in a pandemic? You know, uh, that, that was one of the challenges that I faced as a, as a coach to – and, you know, when everything got going and, and school was lit out, it's like, all right, let's do something. So I was doing, like, little challenges with the guys at home. Like, all right, we do, let's have a push-up challenge. And I would set a pizza to the guy who won. Um, There's it, a couple different things, but just kept in their mind, like, hey, we're going to have a season. So it was very optimistic. We're going to have a season. It may not be when we sing, you know. And then everything was like, all right, we're looking to play in the fall, August. They got pushed back two weeks. And it was just constant talk, so keeping them motivated. And, you know, really, they did it themselves as well. Uh, it was very easy for them to just close down and shut down and sit on the couch and play games. But, you know, they, they took it upon themselves 
um, the YMCA over the winter when we couldn't get out in the uh, field. But once we were out there, we were, we were already rolling. Damien, you, you're, you took over a great program and you've made it into a monster. Um, and it's not just you, obviously. You have a great staff, great bunch of kids. And I appreciate the time. We're going to have Ryan on in a little bit. And I wish you nothing but the best of luck this week. And going forward. Thank you very much, Coach Damian Strahovski of Port Jervis. And we will be back right after this. We are back. This is Sports 845-845-313-0561. We're talking Section 9 right now. Tommy, let's go over the games that are coming up this week. And are there any... I know there's rivalry games. I know the Erie Bell game. Are there any games with playoff implications? Or uh, go through all of them. So this week, I mean, unless games get changed, right now Newburgh is supposed to play at Kingston. That's a rivalry game. Um, Washingtonville goes to Clarkstown. Is that Clarkstown South? You got Monroe and Warwick. Walk Hill and Valley Central in the black and blue. Um, really, uh, no games that uh, have any – Playoff implications, but some big time rivalry games. A lot of yeah, I mean it's basically rivalry weekend. Newburgh Kingston, Monroe and Warwick is a decent rivalry from back in the day when Warwick was uh, a double A school, and you know Sierra and and um, Sirico Sirico have a history there. You know they he coached, they 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 were both at War. You know Sierra was at Warwick, with Walkill and Valley Central. The, that's the black and blue game. You got Cornwall go, uh, going to Pine Bush. The Port Middletown, which is the big one this weekend, the Erie Bell game. Burke and Minnesink, Goshen, Goshen and Chester, which is a you know the neighborhood rivalry, mm-hmm. and you know a smaller school, but that should be a fun game to watch. And O'Neill is traveling up to Roosevelt. And then eight, I'm sorry, I don't want to because I don't want to neglect in eight man. You have Pine Plains Ryan back at Dover, and I believe that's kind of a little bit of a rivalry game. A little bit, a little bit. Um, Tommy, what's going on with the Erie Bell game? It, obviously, the stadium's not going to be a capacity. It would be on a non-COVID year, but what is going on there? Both teams allowed to bring Yeah, parents? so uh, both teams will get uh, – the, the players are getting two spectators per player. So you'll have a decent crowd there. Yeah, I mean, you should run about – like uh, Coach Jaharski said, they have 31 guys. So if they bring everyone, that'll be 60-something people. And um, – and, uh, we have 40, so 80, about 150, and then, yeah. We had Coach Staharski on before. Uh, one of the players, he uh, talk, he talked about everybody. He's a, he, he did? You know, he mentioned every kid on the team, and he's very proud of all the kids on the team. Um, Ryan Costello is, uh, by all accounts, the leader on the defense. Ryan has uh, already, you know, it's, it's a short season. He has two forced fumbles. He's recovered one of them, two sacks, an interception. He's rushed for a touchdown. Uh, he's committed to play Division II football at Pace University, and he's an all-state linebacker. Ryan Costello. Ryan, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Ryan, thank you for taking some time. Um, I am Darren. This is Sports 845. Ryan, tell us about – first of all, tell us how this season has been so vastly different than other seasons and the experience of playing in a pande- you know, pandemic football. Um, it's definitely it's definitely weird playing football like in the months of March and April. It's definitely something that I'm not used to, and none of my teammates are used to. Um, also, uh, with the spectator issue, um, with not having you know packed stands and um, stuff like that, you know, it's definitely different. Um, I think it will definitely be different with the Bell game, just because the past two Bell games that I played in, you know, having um, five thousand, six thousand plus people there, um, you know, watching, you know. Down, now down to only about what about 150 around there um you know it's definitely going to be you know a little bit different um in that aspect ryan let me ask you a question right off the bat you've played in two bell games is that right yeah and without giving any bulletin board material here port jervis has lost those two games and they've lost handily but it's a different port team this year what's different this year uh with port jervis playing middletown why does Port Jervis uh, make this make this game a very good game, if not win it? Because um, we're not just a team; like we're all family. Like um, we're like we're so bonded uh, together, and it, we don't just you know go to football practice and then see each other there. That's it. Like we're always hanging out outside of school. Um, you know, we're always doing something, going to get food, hanging out, playing video games, whatever it is. 
And we're just, uh, we came up together. We played football together since we were, you know, in elementary school, first, second grade. Um, and this is all, you know, this is our team now. And we, we all, every single person on the team just wants to win. And you know, that's all we want to do. So I think that that is really the reason why um, we've got to the point where we're at right now. And that's why um, we ha- I feel that we have a very good chance to win this game. You know, Ryan, I think your answer is perfect. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, my kid played football. I think it's the greatest sport greatest sport out there because of exactly what you just said. You know, there is no... There is no color, uh, no race, no religion, no nothing when it comes to football. It's a band of brothers. And, you know, I remember and you remember every play from youth to your last varsity game. And it, it really is. It's baseball. All the, all the sports are great, but there is zero, nothing that compares to football. Ryan, let me ask you um, this. You're going to Pace. Why did you choose Pace? I'm sure you had other offers. And tell us a little bit about that. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, the reason I chose Pace was just because it felt it felt you know like at home for me. Um, it felt like the like it was the place where I could succeed not only athletically but uh, with my education as well. Um, I'm gonna major in business, so um, with Pace being in Westchester, very close to the city, um, there will be you know there there will for sure be opportunities for me to succeed within that field. Um, just being close to New York City with the internships and the people I can meet, stuff like that. Um, but I did have, a, I had a couple other offers. I had, um, I had another D2, a couple D3s, and um, I had two D1 uh, preferred walk-ons, but um, I chose to go the D2 route. Um, how, how are your grades? You seem like a very bright kid. I mean, school is obviously very important. Um, you want to major, you said, in business. Um, how are your grades? Um, my grades are good. Um, I'm on the high honor roll. Um, you know, so I make good grades. Um, you know, I always make sure that I'm getting all my work done. You know, I never, you know, turn anything in late or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, I definitely prioritize school and I always make, you know, because without school, you know, there is no football. Absolutely. Um, uh, for sure. So, and that's what, you know, that's what, how you get into college, play football, um, is through school. So you got to make sure that you got school straight first. Ryan, do you play other sports? Um, I used to, but um, I I realized that I just really love football, and I just wanted to dedicate my everyday life to it. Uh, so I played I played uh, baseball up until middle school, and then I played one year of basketball in high school, and then you know that's when I kind of realized that I just wanted to put everything towards football. Gotcha. And you're you're sec- obviously you're a senior. You're going to graduate in June. Then you're going to go on to Pace. It, coach Staharski, did you play for the previous coach, or is Staharski the only coach you played for? Uh, yes, I did play for the previous coach. Uh, last year was Staharski's first year, mm-hmm. um, and then my sophomore year uh, was with the uh, the old coaching staff. You got a great program there. You're a key component to not only you know your the legacy you guys leave will just build you know and continue to build for the future. And it looks like you got a great, not looks, you do have a great thing going there in Port Jervis. And it really is, I'm looking forward to a great Erie Bell game. And uh, listen, no state tournament this year. You guys were unbelievable last year, losing a one-point game. You defeated Cornwall this year. So you have a lot of feathers in your cap. You've done a great job there. You, the yeah. you know, the other players and the coaching staff. And congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. Ryan, I appreciate the time. And I will, uh, I'll see you Friday night. Have a great game. Thank you. Thank you for the time. Uh, Tommy, Section 9, listen, again, I hope they get everything worked out and right. Anything else you want to hit on in Section 9? Next week and the week after, we'll talk about potential players of the year and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, just the Saturday games. I didn't hit on them. I don't want to exclude anyone. You got Monticello looking to pick up their first win. They're at Liberty. First win in a decade. Yeah, and an opportunity there. You know, so they're playing at Liberty. You got Ron round out at Red Hook. That's another little bit of a rivalry game. And um, and then over an eight man, you got Sully West at Roscoe Livingston Manor Downsville, and uh, Spack and Kill travels over to. Play. I I can't wait to get to the Livingston Manor Downsville. Game. That's a heck of a game right there. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot of it there's is. a lot of names. It there's is. a lot of names to carry. It I don't is. Know. It is. Hey, I'm not you know right. eight man. You know what? For for a lot of teams, absolutely getting rid of uh, Class D. Class D was dwindling. It was dwindling yes. statewide. Um, the numbers were down. Eight man allows these guys. I know it's you know for some of them it's it's hard because um, they're not getting the opportunities. The, the whole state hasn't bought into eight man like they have in other states. Um, but it's coming. It's only two years in 
it, that we're into this. Uh, it's not. It's not even a test program anymore. No, it's they're going to be playing eight man. Right. So, um, and you know what? To be fair, and it's my alma mater, and it's a school I love. Monticello might have definitely right. consider eight man football. They, to build a program. Yeah, it's something a both of Sullivan County, I think, should really look at absolutely because there's not as big of a draw for football. As and that's the Dylan. That's the biggest issue um, in Monticello. It's the biggest. You look around Orange County, and I'm from Sullivan County, and I'm a Monticello guy. The biggest difference between Orange County high school sports and Monticello high school sports is community. Yes, 100%. And the biggest difference there is. And don't get me wrong, I love Monticello. I'm not going to talk bad about my school, but it is just a completely different atmosphere, even competing at different schools from mm-hmm. going to Goshen and Middletown. And it's just always been the way it is, and I think eight-man football would be – a very good decision. They, they have to, but it, but you could have eight men. You could have the best team in the state yeah. up there, but you have to have community. Yes. There should be bonfires, pep rallies, cheerleaders, and there should be at least four or 500 people at the game. You go to a Friday night lights game, whether it's Pine Bush, Valley Central, Goshen, Middletown, and I'm talking non-COVID. You know you get 2,000 people at a Goshen game. You get 5,000 people at a Middletown game, mm-hmm. and you go up to Monticello, and you get 12 people. And you cannot build anything. Kids want to play in front of people, and they have to have community. There's got to be a little bit of juice and a reason to play. You can't just play right. with no fans. Absolutely. 845-313-0561. When we get back, um, we're going to talk real quick. Mets, Major League Baseball. We're going to skip through the NBA real quick. And Dylan Price is going to break down the NFL draft. I am Darren Kunis. This is Sports 845. We covered Section 9. 313-0561. Um, I want to do real quick. The baseball season is 10, 12 games old. Yeah, too early um, to tell anything, but I'll tell you this 52 years old, same age as you. Yep. The Grom has moved himself into one of the top seven or eight or 10 pitchers I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, he's pitching at a level. He's pitching at a level that, um, you know, is rarely seen in, in any sport. Right. You know, you're talking Oral Hershiser when he, when he had 50, 54 or something ridiculous, right, whatever, yeah. scoreless innings in a row, you know, like you're talking, you're, you're almost getting into um, Sandy Koufax type yeah. seasons. Yeah. And when you start mentioning people in the in the room with that stretcher, that run, that stretch that Sandy Koufax had over about six seasons was, you know, we thought we'd never see anything like it again. DeGrom is putting up those kind of numbers and dominating batters the way Koufax did back in the day. I saw that in his last three years, DeGrom has a 2.04 ERA in the last three years combined. 2.04. The Mets have a losing record when he starts. Yeah. So another stat I saw was that in DeGrom's – DeGrom has 175 starts. In 89 of those starts, he's given up one run or less. He's amazing. Look at him this he's year. He made one bad pitch, and that was one too many because the Mets just don't score for him. But you know what? He's such a good guy that, listen, i got to be honest. I'm a team player. I'd be miserable. Well, I would be barking at my I teammates. was just going to go down the road. And like, get me some damn runs. Yeah. But he's just How does he just off. keep going out every day knowing that and chances are I'm going to get – I'm going to give up one run or less and get a no decision. And also, to be fair, he should be getting paid a lot more. He took, a, he gave them a hometown discount. Yeah, let's see. You know, he has an opt out. I, I bet you he opts in, and Steve Cohen is going to reward him. Yeah, he'll get, a and bigger, he should. He'll get a, a bigger deal. On but that. I mean, really, you can't get into it. The Mets haven't hit so far with runners in scoring position. Conforto's been invisible. Um, but you know, it is what it is right now. The Mets they did win a doubleheader yesterday. They're four and three. Stroman's been great. So Dom far, Smith has been Dom Smith has been and Nimmo's been unbelievable. The Yankees are five and seven. And listen, the Mets ceiling is higher than the Yankees because the Mets don't have the Mets are getting Syndergaard back, and right. we know what he can be. The Mets are getting Carrasco back, and there's a body of work. The Yankees took a flyer on Kluber, took a flyer on Talon. And Kluber hasn't looked good yet. And, and those guys could turn it around, but Severino still hasn't pitched. Montgomery is not going to, you know, create that much buzz, even if he's good. The Yankees have Garrett Cole. That's their only thing that's not a question and he's mark. been very good. He's Torres, good. listen, I wouldn't trade Torres for anybody. You know, yeah. I, I'm not trading a shortstop that hits 30 home runs and knocks in 100 RBIs. 
Torres will get better on defense. Sanchez has played well so far, but the Yankees just, it's early. Hicks has been a disappointment, but again, it's early. Where it's not early is out in L.A. The Dodgers are 9-2, and two and they are stacked. Yeah. Anything else in baseball that gets that you want to talk about? I guess, you know, there's no DH this year. This will probably be the last year there's no DH. I mean, other than you've had a few COVID instances, few. Um, so far it's fairly smooth, you mm-hmm. know. I think if, if they can go at this pace, it'll. I think it'll, it'll settle in, and as the warmer weather kicks in, um, they should get have a successful season. Yeah, I mean, season. It, the one thing I will say is the every when baseball season starts, every team should open up out west or in a dome. It's so silly having right. these games. The Mets go to Colorado tomorrow, where the forecast is twenty eight degrees and snow. You got guys out there making uh, forty million dollars a year, and you're and you want him to pitch in yeah. it. In the in the middle of July, you'll send the Mets on a West Coast fourteen game road trip with hundred degree nights in Arizona, California, Texas. You're right, they're gonna go through there. Why not have them start the season out there, get some good weather? And then and then I'm sure those teams from the Midwest and the West would love to be on the East Coast in July. You know, where there's a good chance can you get a, a really hot week? Sure. But there's a good chance it's going to be 85. It's not going to be terrible. It's not going to be 106. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Um, Doesn't you know, make sense. The NBA, the Knicks, because we'll talk about them, they're hanging in there. Right now they're the 8 seed. They're 28 and 27. They look like they're going to grab at least grab into the plate if they don't. Right now, if the season ends today, the Knicks play the, the, the Nets in the opening round of the playoffs. That would be a great opening round matchup. Right. Uh, the Nets, obviously, I think are the favorite to win the East. Um, the problem with the Nets is Kyrie Irving and Durant just don't play. They just don't play. No, and then Harden was banged up. Yeah. So uh, NBA players don't play. It's a joke. We touched on yeah, that earlier. Um, but that's really – I mean, we'll see what happens with the NBA. We'll see what happens with baseball. I did a fantasy draft last night in baseball. First time I ever did it. 30 seconds. You know who my first pick overall was? Who would your first pick overall be? Non-pitcher. If I had the if I had the number, number one, one number pick, one pick yeah. I would take Mike Trout. Okay, you would take Trout. Who would I you would take? Mike Trout. You know who I took? I had the number one pick. Who? I took Ronald Acuna Jr. Okay. Very good player. bases, RBIs, home yeah. runs. He, you know, he, he steals some more bases right. than Trout. Um yeah. and and you know, I just think the Braves are gonna be in more meaningful games than Yeah. You know. Otani, he went pretty but, high. Did they split him? Because in a lot of leagues they make you could pick them as a everyday player and as a he's pitcher. You don't get. Oh, I don't even really, right? I didn't even pay attention. Line. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even pay attention. But I got I, I got the best team by far. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, Acuna was my first pick. My second pick was uh, was uh, Luis Galito. You know, I'm the, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'll win it. <laughs> They're probably already making the check out to me. But you know, it is what it is. When we get back, um, I want to talk. You know, April 29th is the draft. It's a huge day. Darnold was traded, you know, last week, the week before. Um, Dylan Price. Uh, Dylan, where can people find you on Twitter? So you can find me on Twitter at Dylan Price 27. So at Dylan Price 27, I'm telling you right now, the kid's the smartest kid there is when it comes to the NFL draft. Um, Dylan also has, uh, you know, you committed to uh, Penn State. Yes. You're going to be a Nittany Lion. You're going to go to from Monticello to Happy Valley. That would explain the hat. That, yeah, would, that, explain, would, explain. that would Well, he's not a Yankee. <laughs> no. So Dylan, Dylan Price goes on to Penn State, but, but he's going to cover the draft. We'll be right back. We are back. This is Sports 845. I'm Darren Kunis, joined uh, with Tom Giordano. And listen, if you guys want to follow the NFL draft, it's April 29th. I've said to you, no one does it better than Dylan Price. You can find Dylan uh, he has a podcast called Ambitious uh, with Dylan Price. That's wherever you can find podcasts on iTunes. Yeah, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you look, it should be there. And you can find him on Twitter at Dylan Price twenty seven. What's the twenty seven for? Ah, uh, birthday and Yankees championships. Twenty seven Yankee. That's right. Yeah. So you're going to change your Twitter handle next year if they win twenty eight? I don't know if twenty eight's in their future. I don't think it is either. <laughs> but at some point it will be. At some point, uh, Dylan, the NFL draft is uh, in two weeks, a lot of movement. I, I guess the two teams, there's several teams, but now there's even more that there's a lot of questions with. The Jets, for one, the 49ers moving up, 
The Dolphins, are they happy with Tua? Um, what's Atlanta going to do? Why don't you take us through it? Take us through it. I believe we both agree. All of us agree that Trevor Lawrence goes one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's a uh, foregone conclusion, right? I think that's been a conclusion since the second the season ended, if not when the Jets decided they were going to try to uh, win a couple games at the end of the year. Trevor Lawrence got married last week. Yeah, he's he's got his life pretty laid out for him. And uh, the only concerns right now is there was something that came out today in Sports Illustrated that, uh, you know, him saying and his dad saying, you know, it's not all about football. His life's not all about football. You know, it's amazing. It's such a great comment to make, mm-hmm. but it's taken the it's a when you're it's investing all this money. Justin Fields, the the question marks. You know what's wrong, and you could agree or disagree, and maybe there is some um, social injustices mm-hmm. here. Mac Jones, and I didn't realize this. Mac Jones has two DUIs. Justin Fields has zero, but they're questioning Fields before they're questioning Mac Jones. Now, Justin Fields was projected to be the number two quarterback taken. Mm-hmm. I have seen drafts where he has dropped all the way to 13, 14, maybe even the Patriots, but I think the Broncos gobble him up. What's the story with Justin Fields, and where do you have him going? So I was just talking to Coach here off air about this, and, you know, I I was in the same camp as you where I thought Fields was probably going to be the third off the board, and then, you know, Jones is seemingly the guy for San Francisco, and I even think Denver would move up for Trey Lance before they move up for – Justin Fields. Is that right? If they're going to make a move. And I think ultimately Fields ends up in New England in some way, shape, or form, whether that's slipping to 15 or whether that's making a move up to uh, number eight with Carolina, maybe. I, it's not, it's not anything about Justin Fields' character. It's not anything about him as an athlete. It's more about him. Reading defenses. Exactly. and And we talked about this last time I was here. It's just, he can't move through his reads quick enough and that's something that's going to hurt him at the next level and I think that the athleticism is there it's just a matter of can he do it at the highest level just okay Justin Fields the Jets are pretty locked in it looks like with Zach Wilson yes you're a Jet fan were you okay happy thrilled with the Sam Darnold trade um it's it's hard it's bittersweet um obviously I'm happy about them really making it a point this time to get everybody on the same page. New coach, new quarterback. But we've done that before. Yes. Several times. Yes. But What's different? I want to say Joe Douglas, but the jury's still out. Okay. I think Douglas is a real football guy who's genuinely invested in the success of the franchise. But once again, that tune's been played before. And I think Salah's the same way. But once again, that tune's been played before. So Every year it seems like the Jets have a new hot head coach, a new hot GM. Yep. And a new quarterback. Did Was Sam Darnold treated fairly in New York? I don't think no, so. Different either. offensive coordinators, different coaches, different um, um, personnel. Never really never really had the personnel to shine. Also, and it is a knock. You got to stay healthy. Yes. I know getting mono, it can happen to anyone. But when you're an athlete, mono, back, this, you got to stay healthy. And it, it wasn't just the healthy issue because that was a big, big problem with Sam Darnold for the three years that a lot of people are kind of just sliding over and rather going the Gase and the personnel route. And the other issue with him was his accuracy. And this was something that was an issue at USC as well. He turned the ball over way too much. And that's something that I guess is in Zach Wilson's favor is that he went from a, I want to say 65% completion percentage his first two years, worked with John Beck this past year, COVID riddled year. Now he's up to a 73% completion percentage. Yes, that's a BYU lower level of competition than the NFL. But yeah, they, it's still competition. Yes, it's he still makes competition. All the throws. And Sam Darnold threw a 59% completion percentage last year and his interceptions throughout his three years were way too high to be a starting caliber quarterback. And yes, that is once again that can be attributed to the personnel See, and coaching. But if it's a I'm the GM, I want to start off with a clean slate. Yes, and I think that's what the Jets are doing. I want my Entirely. own quarterback. I want my own coach. I don't want anybody's leftover. And the Jet, to be fair, the Jets haven't won many games, so you're not getting rid of something that was. You're not trading in a Rolls Royce. Yeah, not at all. Now, Donald, does he get? Is he the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? I think all all signs point to yes. I think Teddy Bridgewater has permission to seek a trade now, and I think it seems like it could go that way. It's going to be hard, I think, for them to find a trade for him, but I think it seems like it's Sam Darnold's team. It seems like they are confident that Joe Brady is going to be able to work some magic, and it's going to end up working out well for them. Matt Rule, Joe Brady, uh, Sam Darnold, maybe Darnold. Listen, I'm going to root for him. 
he, Sam Darnold's never done anything to turn me off. You? No, he's a, he's a, he's a solid quarterback. And he never once made it a big deal that oh, you know, Adam Gase is ruining him. He never played into the New York media and the said. Oh yeah, I, you know I just haven't got my shot. That's why other teams are willing to yeah, take a chance. Yeah, he was a him. consummate professional yeah. throughout his entire time here, and that's what made it hard to say goodbye. Yeah. It wasn't beyond the field play that kind of had the strings attached. It was that he was a consummate professional and that he was supposed to be the next franchise guy. Jaguars take Lawrence. Jets take Zach Wilson. The 49ers are on the board at three. That's where you could have your first movement in the draft. To the 49ers, who have, they've claimed Garoppolo is going to be our, our our quarterback. We're not moving him. Did they go where, – where do they go? Do they go Mac Jones? I have Mac Jones. I just don't think that – especially I'm going to go Adam Schefter here. He he wouldn't have stuck his neck out if he didn't know for sure that at this point it was going to be Mac Jones. And the fact that the 49ers made the trade just days after Jones' pro day and neglected to go to Justin Fields' pro day the same day to go to Mac Jones instead, I think that it's pretty – You don't think it's a smokescreen? I don't think it's a smokescreen. Falcons. Matt Ryan still has something left. Um, listen, Falcons are another team that should should have won more games. They had the twenty eight to three lead in the Super Bowl. They blew it. Did they go? Where do you have? I have Kyle Pitts going there. I have them trading down, still nabbing Kyle Pitts. But I think that uh, based on the way the rest of my group there plays out, I think that they end up trading with the Broncos, and the Broncos kind of go up and get their guy and get Trey Lance and give Drew Locke some competition. Trey Lance is the Broncos guy. You think? I I think. If they could have had their way, they would have went with one of the other three guys, but I think that they're comfortable with Trey Lance. You know what's amazing? And we sit here in New York, and we do nothing but mock the uh, Jets. John Elway was one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. He is horrific He cannot evaluate a, a quarterback at all. At all. Paxton Lynch is not a guy who should Paxton be Paxton Lynch, Locke, the they've had was. other guys. Who? T- Tebow? Uh, uh, Ryan Mallett. Well, he didn't draft him. No, he didn't draft I, I think the mistake he made – was out of all the other quarterbacks, he probably should have kept Tebow. Yeah, he would have been better off with Tim Tebow. Now, granted, you did bring in Peyton Manning, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, you brought you, in you, Peyton Manning. Right. But so you brought Peyton in Peyton Manning, Manning because you had a team built to win. You won your Super Bowl, and yeah. But, but my point is, he's just been so he's bad. A, I, I think he made a huge mistake. You're right; he's been bad. And on the Tebow side, he didn't draft Tebow. No, he no. got rid of Tebow when Tebow probably. At least yeah. keeps you in the playoffs because he's the kind of guy that inspires other guys. You it, basically he's a Trent Dilfer type quarterback. If you put a good enough team around him, he could have won. I'm not saying Tebow's a great uh, pro quarterback, but with all the other guys you drafted, Tebow was the guy you probably shouldn't have got rid of. Okay. Um, listen, I've never been a Tebow guy. No, listen, I I don't think he's he's not your typical prototypical NFL quarterback. But in the situation that they were in, with all these other guys that he brought in, I would have kept the guy I had for way less money, packed talent around him. He didn't, and he would have sold tickets. Right. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. would have packed the house. He just didn't want to be a wild card playoff team. That's what he didn't want to be. He was trying to build. He thought, I'm John Elway. I can, I can find talent. John Elway, Michael Jordan has done in the NBA what John Elway's done in the right. NFL. Perfect. Listen, great players, not yeah. great talent evaluators. Bengals are on the on the board. Um, Joe Burrow, does he get his wide receiver from college, Jamar Chase? I think they opt to go the other way around. Penny Sewell? I, I have him with Rashawn Slater, but I think okay. it's a toss-up. I think it's a matter of preference. So same position. Yeah, I think they still I, go a line. At that point, either one of those guys just flip a coin. Yeah, exactly. Who do you like better? Right? See, I think if – I you, they got – who did they get Pickens last year? Uh, no, yeah, Clemson wide receiver. They got Higgins. Yeah, Higgins. Higgins. I'm sorry. What's his name? Well, Kyle Pickens. You're going deep. You're no. Uh, yes, I am. I'm you're going digging deep Higgins. into the Bengals. But at, uh, at some point, the history. Bengals did take Pickens. It just wasn't last year. It was 30 years ago. Yeah, Kyle Pickens was. <laughs> he, he had a Hall of Fame talent. Just never got there. Okay, so the Bengals go offensive line. You know what? Um, you go through it. Miami, Detroit, Carolina. So go ahead. I'll do six, seven, eight here. I have Miami going with Jamar Chase. Um, I think Chase is the best wide receiver there is. I do. There. I agree. I think he's got the safest kind of. He's got the highest ceiling. Yes. Safest exactly. pick. Exactly. I think he's going to be a good, good player to bring in there with Tua. And then I have Waddle going seven to Detroit. Um, it's kind of a toss up on whether or not they'd go Pitts there. But I was just saying, wait, off air. do you think they go Waddle ahead of Devontae Smith? 
I think they'd go Waddle over Devontae Smith. He's been rising up draft boards the last couple I think days. Chase and Waddle. I'm with you. I think Chase and Waddle. I think Chase is the best. Than, the question. I think then go higher. If I had the choice of any wideout, I'm taking Chase. And the problem, and we were talking about this off air, is that you can play Waddle in the slot. You could maybe even play Chase in the slot. You can't play Devontae Smith in the slot. Go ahead. Um, so after them, and then I have the Panthers making a trade with the Patriots and going Justin Fields. And then after that, I have the Falcons then getting their guy, Kyle Pitts, because he falls because Hawkinson and Gasicki are in uh, six and seven there with Dolphins and Lions. And then rounding out my top ten, I have Patrick Sertain reuniting with his uh, former teammate, Trayvon Diggs, to uh, anchor that secondary in Dallas. You went top ten. Give me top 11 because all I care about is the Giants. Who do the um, Giants think? So because I had Slater going five, I have Sewell going eleven. What about Micah Parsons, Penn State guy? Now, is Micah Parsons, maybe I'm, this is too old for you, is he the um, Tunsil of this year's draft? Um, I think he is the Tunsil of this year's draft. I think that, you know, with Tunsil, is, he was probably one of, if not one, the best player on the board. And his, and stock, shown fell, it. his yeah. stock fell. And I think this case this year with Parsons is that there's the off-the-field question. Well, that's what I'm asking. And yeah. then also the matter of the fact that he opted out last year and there hasn't been any game tape on him since – him rising up and having that big bowl game. But I love Parsons. Yeah, there's really not much game tape on Trey Lance either, though. No, not at all. And But it's quarterback versus yeah, linebacker. But I think Parsons is a monster. And if they can get Parsons, because Suwell goes off the board early, they go Parsons because he'd be a beast for them to have. Tommy, what do you think of the Giants? First of all, you lock in with Zach Wilson and the Jets? Yeah, I okay. think I, I, I think there's no other way they can go. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Getting rid of Darnold, that, I no, think I the second-best quarterback. I agree. Uh, unless they do something crazy and, and take Mac Jones, but I don't see that no, happening. I see the Jets taking Zach Wilson. Yeah, I see Zach Wilson. He's he's a good fit for them. Um, the Giants, yeah, if Sewell f- falls, the Giants would be – they'd be nuts not to take him. So if, if that scenario happens, yeah, absolutely. But, but hold on. You talk about opting out. Sewell opted out last year. Yeah, but I think that – He just doesn't have the off-field issues. It, yeah, that's exactly And right. And when, when you're six foot – Seven, three hundred and five pounds, and can anchor the left side of an offensive line. Yeah. People take chances on that kind of. You're guy. taking a much less risk with Sewell than you are with Parsons. Parsons yes. could be the next Carl Banks, but he could also be the next Lavar Harrington. Well, Harrington had a pretty decent career in the NFL. I can't. I shouldn't say that. Who's the guy I'm thinking of for Alabama? Courtney Lee. Courtney. Oh, well, Remember when Alabama yes. had two guys go one two? Neither one of them were that great. Neither one of them played well. And they yeah. played with the Browns, I yep. think. But anyway, um, you'd be okay. You'd be okay with Parsons. Oh, I think anyone in the top fifteen would be okay with Parsons. He's not. I don't see him dropping. The Giants don't need a wide receiver right now. No, but if if one if of the, those, what if Devontae uh, Smith is there? Do you do the Giants then switch gears or with or Waddle? In this case, I have Smith there. Waddle, maybe you think about it, and maybe you play him in the slot. I agree with you. But I think Smith, you know, you just brought in Galladay, mm-hmm. and you got Slayton, you got Shepard. I think that you feel comfortable enough to move forward with those guys and get a guy who you can play alongside Andrew Thomas and really have your two tackles for the next 10, 15 years. If Chase Waddle or Pitts falls to the Giants, they, they would think about one of those guys. I would love Pitts. Otherwise, it's going to be – Parsons or if Sewell or, or, or Slater. Slater yeah. So the, the big, I guess the headline from your mock draft is the Patriots get a quarterback, the Broncos get a quarterback, and the Giants get Micah Parsons. Is that the – Or, yeah, they get Sewell, but – Sewell or Parsons. Yes, either of them. I think that uh, – But the big thing be. is the Patriots and the and the Broncos get their quarterback, get yeah. their guy. And then five guys go in the top 15. Gotcha. Gotcha. What's another? Is there any other big surprise in the draft? Anybody rising that we we don't know about? The um, common guy that you know about? I'm going to talk about Creed Humphrey, um, offensive lineman for Oklahoma. Did not allow a sack last year, and I think he's only allowed one sack in his entire college career. Three year college guy playing against top level competition because they were in the playoffs every year. Absolutely. I think he sneaks into the top into the first round into the top twenty five, maybe to the Jets. And he's a captain, he's versatile, can be a center, can be a guard. I think he's a guy who's sneaking up draft boards. And then Jason Oa, with everything being played up about Micah Parsons, Oa's from Penn State too, freak athlete, didn't have the sack numbers, but could be a good pressure guy that could maybe find his fit in somewhere where they can kind of develop him a little bit. You know what I think is crazy is when now we're talking about rising and dropping, all the mock drafts I'm seeing now have – the top two running backs falling out of the first round. I have one running back in this entire mock, and it's ETN to the Jags at 25. I think that Harris falls out of the first round. Now, 
you got two really good two really good guys who are Great. legitimate first round players, and there's a good chance that ETN falls out of the first round too. I agree with the way it's going, especially if those guys you're talking about bump up, and that would be if they fall into the second round, someone's gonna two teams are gonna steal really good quality running backs in the second round. How about uh, what's his name Stills from Stanford? Uh, yes, uh, Mills David Mills from Stanford. He's he's rising up draft boards too. I don't think it's getting as I don't think he sneaks into the first round like some people are saying, but I think he's an early second rounder, if not mid second rounder, to a team like a maybe a Steelers, Saints, hell, maybe even the Colts go out and grab him just as another insurance policy alongside Eason behind Wentz. Um, I don't think he sneaks in the first round, but I think he's going to be there for the taking in the second. Him, Kellen Mond, and Kyle Trask. Are That's what I was going to ask guys. you about Mond. A lot of people have Mond, you know, rising. I like Mond a lot. I uh, I think that he's too stiff at times. His technique's not all there, but the arm talent's there. The athleticism's there. Mississippi State? Uh, Texas A&M. Texas A&M. He's, Wasn't he at Mississippi State? Did he, was he in the portal? Um, I th- maybe I think okay. at some point, but he's he's a good athlete, and then you have Trask, Trask who had a, had a very good year yeah, last year. Yeah, he's a fifth year senior. Yeah, he's not getting enough hype, but he, at the same time, if you're gonna go for one of the younger guys, Trask's age is gonna end up playing a factor. Okay, it looks like Clowney just went to the Browns. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Did he sign with the Browns? Was, yes. Because I thought the Titans offered him one year, ten mil to go to Cleveland. Any other yeah, free agents out the there Titans still? Um, well. Sherman's still out there. Uh, Richard Sherman's still out there. The first guy that came to mind. Um, there's a couple good guys out there. Russell Wilson, does he get moved? I don't believe so. I think that it's it's quieted down in recent weeks, and for the right reason. I think, if anything, Rodgers has been coming up more. Don't think Rodgers gets moved. If anything, I think he takes yeah, on Jeopardy know, that's as a second wanted, job. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I, I'm seeing and hearing more and more rumblings about um, – Aaron Rodgers may not finish his career in Green Bay. You buy into that? I skeptically buy buy into it. Um, I think this year he's going to be Green Bay Packer no matter what. If anything, he adds jeopardy onto his schedule, maybe part-time, because if they decide to go guest host, that's out of my knowledge by any means. But You would probably be very good at jeopardy. Well, thank you. Where do you get your uh, heating and oil fuel from? Uh, I get that from Black Bear Fuel and Oil. You actually. do. Yeah, They're located where? Ah, uh, in Harris, New York. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, what else do you have with the NFL? Um, it's really just it's a waiting game right now to the draft. Um, the there's a big controversy right now with the NFLPA and OTAs. That's a big thing right now because a lot of teams are saying that you know we're not going to go forward with OTAs this year because why risk it for voluntary workouts when you can work out like you did last season and you saw a lot of guys there was a lot of a lot made about there's going to be rust on these guys because they haven't had the reps of OTAs you didn't really see that rust of OTAs show anything so I think that uh I think that it's going to end up being no OTAs this year and that it ends up being virtual again. And I think that's the only other real headline right now. Other than that, the draft's right around the corner. Okay, that's it for the NFL. We'll see how right you are. Maybe we'll have you on the week after the draft. I think you do a great job. I know you do a great job. Okay. I want to let's, – let's switch for a second here. And before we go forward, Napoli's Pizzeria, 845-355-6161. It's located 2920 Route 6, Slate Hill, New York. They have the best pizza in Orange County. They sponsor the show. They do a great job. We had pizza. What else? They bring garlic knots, wings. I didn't look at the bag. And, uh, and Black Bear Oil. Uh, up in uh, up in uh, Monticello in Sullivan County, they do they service Orange County as well. I believe so. Yes. Okay. Now you're a senior. You're graduating. You're going on to Penn State. Take us through what it was like to be an athlete this year during the COVID season for um, you. It's it's been something like unlike anything I've seen before. I mean, this whole year has been like that. Um, from academics to any other extracurricular form, but um, I've do cross country. Um, I also had a very, very abbreviated indoor track season, and both of those were shorter than normal. We didn't end up having a race for indoor track because um, all our sites got turned into vaccine centers, and we couldn't race in West Point or SUNY Sullivan like we normally would. Or the Armory. Yeah, or the Armory. It got turned into a vaccine center as well. Do you still have your senior class trip? Um, as of right now, we have a one-day trip in the works, um, kind of the same thing that I think a lot of schools are doing because you can't have kids really overnight. It's too much of a risk. But, um, yeah, just everything this year has just been so strange. I, I said it the other day um, and wrapping up our cross-country season that 
this has been one of my most so fun seasons and it's short. Oh, that's right. So you can't have a, I mean, I remember when I was a senior, I believe the owner of Black Bear Oil and I went to Virginia and uh, we're, we're uh, got in some trouble down there. Is that correct? That is very correct. Yes, 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 that is very correct. Um, but that's okay. So you graduate, you're going to Penn State. Graduation, you'll be able to have certain amount. Well, we don't know yet. Yeah, it's it's up in the air on that as well. Um, a lot's a lot's going to depend on what ends up changing with regulations in the next few months. I think. Now, did Monticello do an in-person graduation last year? No, uh, Monticello did a modified, um, like virtual style ceremonies where they compiled everybody's own mini walk across the stage together and the parents could still see their kid walk across the stage, but there was nobody else there. What's your, I would imagine your, are you, uh, what's your grade point average? Um, right now I'm a 96 something, I think unweighted. Or wait, so you're slacking this year. Yeah, you know, it dropped down a you little. You know, I'll tell you something. See how that goes. <laughs> at 96, I tell you, I would come home with a C, and my father would, my mother would yell at me, and my father would say, "Look what you could do if you apply yourself." <laughs> like he was thrilled with the C. Uh, Dylan Price at Dylan Price 27. Ambitious with Dylan Price is a podcast. Um, we'll have you back on the week after the draft. We will be back next week. Uh, baseball season will be in, um, you know, going full flow at that full point. Full flow. Yeah. And we'll have the Erie Bell game to talk about. And hopefully, and I'll say it, the double-A um, situation, situation we'll, is, we'll resolved. Know, is we'll resolved. We'll know what the, the they yes. determine at yes. that point. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, thank you. Tom, thank you. And we'll see you guys next week. Be safe.